All right, hi everyone, and welcome to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I'm Colin, the main host, uh, and today it is starting um, a new series that we're going to be doing uh, featuring Avatar and Korra content creators. Um, as I'm sure you all know, the Avatar and Korra fandom is alive and well, and there are so many people who are contributing with fan art, with discussion, with videos, um, all kinds of things across the board that has really kept the fandom alive. And it shows how deep and rich this world is. So with me today, I have a budding YouTuber uh, who is diving into all kinds of discussion and on writing and everything kind of delving into a lot of different fandoms and she can probably do a better job explaining of it than I can, <laughs> but it is a healthy dose of Fran. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I kind of can't believe that you guys wanted to have me here, so I'm kind of uh, honored to be a part of the podcast. Um, I've loved you guys' work, and I'm, I'm pleased to be here. And you were right with uh, what you were saying, what my channel was about. I basically kind of, I have so much going on in my head, and... The only way to get it out is just to rant to people online. So um, YouTube has been my way of doing that. And Avatar is the main bit of content that I do on my channel. And the amount of crazy stuff I come up with is kind of insane. So it's uh, been a lot of fun doing it. Very cool. Um, so what got you started into like YouTubing? And uh, what kind of made you want to you know, start this channel and start cranking out these videos? Well, okay. This is possibly going to take the tone a little bit uh, down because it's, it's about to get deep up in here. All right, um, so I'm ready for I, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I struggled with uh, depression, anxiety for many, many years. And last year, I kind of hit a really quite low point. And I decided to kind of start kind of making videos about things that kind of really make me happy. And I was like doing like film reviews initially and just talking about stuff that I really enjoyed. And then over the time kind of getting comfortable with doing that and really enjoying what I was doing, I started to focus a bit more on the things that I've loved more than anything and had a huge impact on my life. And that was predominantly Avatar, The Last Airbender and things like the Percy Jackson book series. And kind of from there, I just kind of found my niche and kind of really dived into it and I'm just basically obsessed with it now. It's kind of ridiculous how it started at such um, a low point for me and I'm now better for it because I'm making videos for people online. It's uh, it's pretty cool and uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got started, which is a strange place to start, I guess, but that's how it went. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I really appreciate you being so transparent and uh, being open about that. And that's amazing to hear because, you know, I, I think that when it comes to mental health, it is something that when people share their stories of what works for them and how they kind of surmount that and whether that is through uh, a medium like making videos or through medication or anything like that, I think having the conversation and being able to share your story is so important because you never know who's going to hear that and how that's going to impact them. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, it's not a problem. And I 100% agree with you. I'm completely transparent as much as I can be about my mental health issues because you never know who's going to hear it and who is going to realize that something is kind of connecting with them. And they realize that, yeah, okay, I possibly need to speak to someone because I need help. So it's kind of nice to know that my YouTube doing could possibly be helping someone get help for themselves and 
they could be even enjoying something. It could be they're having a low day and they watch one of my avatar videos where I'm just ranting and raving about things going on in the avatar <laughs> universe and it cheers them up for the day. That's like a really nice thing to think about. And I'm sure it's the same with you guys' podcast. Someone could be listening to it for the, on a down day and just be cheered up just hearing you guys talking about the things that you love. Definitely. I mean, it, it's it's really cool to, uh, you know, hear that feedback too. I, I remember when we started getting some initial comments and reviews back and just hearing everyone say that they really enjoyed hearing the discussion. It's, it's great because, you know, as I'm sure you know, as a content creator, you invest so much of yourself, not only your time, but your emotional energy, and you're putting it out there and you're putting yourself out there. And you know, you are all, not always sure how the world is going to react to it. And I don't know, it's it's something that I, I just really admire too about folks who put that kind of content out there because it's it's tough work. And especially being a YouTuber, it's, uh, you know, you really have to stay to a consistent schedule and there's a lot of demand and there's a lot of competition because there's just so many videos out there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think I kind of got into YouTube possibly at, not in the best way in, in that uh, I didn't really think that there would be a lots of competition because I didn't really think it through in that sense. <laughs> and so whenever I'm looking at like the views that I've been getting I'm kind of like Christ I'm surprised people are watching it in general like let alone enjoying it enough to keep watching or watch it once it's just it's it's mad and uh, I definitely agree with what you mean there's so much content and there's kind of the pressure there in a little bit but as long as you kind of are having fun with what you're doing that's really all that matters you could have two views or hundreds of thousands of views and as long as you're loving what you're doing uh, it doesn't really matter and i think that's kind of the best side of doing it as long as you're having fun that's all that really matters yeah i hear you on that <laughs> um so you know kind of in that vein with youtube um did you have any youtubers uh who were inspirations for you or others that you just admired their work and maybe kind of saw that and got you thinking about doing a channel yourself um, I think a big one that kind of really influenced me, mainly just because they do quite a lot of Avatar-related videos, is um, Hello, Future Me. Have you heard of them at all? Oh, man. Uh, we, we have brought up uh, Tim and his videos many times on the show. We are, we are big fans of his. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. love his I, stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% get what you mean. I absolutely, like, I'm basically obsessed with his videos, which, like, may not be nice for him to hear that someone's obsessing over the fact that they love his videos, but there's just something about that they're just so in-depth and well thought out, and his on-writing series as well was absolutely fantastic. And um, maybe slightly insecure about the fact that I did a creative writing degree and he knows a hell of a lot more about creative writing than I do. So I'm kind of wondering, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done a degree in creative writing if a YouTuber knows a lot more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I also got a degree in creative writing, so I am uh, right there with you when I see other people who like have that. I'm like, wow, they are... They know so much and I feel like I did not come away with as much as I should have. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of like, oh God, a YouTube channel has managed to do so much better and I've just lost 40 grand and it's just, you just think, oh, I lost so much money and I've learned nothing. What is happening? <laughs> well, I, I think that like, you know, 
it comes out in different points in time uh, because I know that there have been moments where, um, you know, maybe I am kind of trying to dive into that like knowledge pool that I got from creative writing and mm. it like, it doesn't come to me at that point, but then there are other times where, you know, we'll be having discussions on the podcast and, you know, I will make some kind of connection uh, between different kind of thematic elements and suddenly what I learned I wasn't thinking about it, but then it comes up because it's kind of like one of those things that's deeply ingrained, but not always readily accessible as much as I wish it would be. <laughs> oh God, no, I I 100% get that. It's kind of like when you're having an argument with someone and you think of the perfect thing to say, but much, much later that it no longer matters. <laughs> it's kind of, that's basically what creative writing is. You have this brilliant idea, but then you forget every single thing that you thought of the moment you come to writing it or thinking about it at a later point. It's just, it's a hit and miss. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I saw, um, it, I think you posted uh, the other day. Um, it was it was so great. I, I can't remember who it was that you shared it from, but it was uh, being a writer is uh, like having homework for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh yes, no. I, oh god, I can't remember his name either now. It's um Robert something. Now hold on. Oh no, I've turned my phone off, so I can't even uh, <laughs> remember. What it was. Um, yeah, no, I. I'm obsessed with this guy for some reason on Twitter. Like everything he posts about writing is just absolutely fantastic and just spot on to the point that I'm looking through it. And I'm just like, wow, this is, this guy knows so much more than the majority of my lecturers. And it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy. He's just, he's so insightful. Um, I have to remember his name now so I can <laughs> refer back to it. But uh, yeah, Robert something, that's all I'm remembering right now. But um yeah, no, there's so many great writers on Twitter who post so many insightful things. And you just kind of like, firstly, how do you come up with these things? Because I can't for the life of me come up with anything even remotely intelligent unless I'm thinking about it for about half a year. And then I've been able to come up with it in like 240 characters on Twitter. And I'm like, why do you do this to me? You make me so insecure. <laughs> I can't do what you're doing right now. But, you know... Thank you for making me realize that this is something that I could do with my writing. But, um, you know, it's it's the way in which some things are, which um, is, is sad for some people. But it's great to know that they'll be bringing content into the world that I can then rant about online. So it, it balances out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so, you know, kind of shifting gears now in talking about um, – what what introduced you to Avatar? How did you find it? And like, what were some of your initial impressions of the show? God, okay. Oh, I, I remember the first time I ever saw an episode of Avatar. Um, so over here in the UK, we had this show. I don't know if they've got it over in the US. Uh, it's a show called CITV. Um, and it was kind of like this early morning kids sort of programs that they would put on in the morning. I was maybe like eight or nine years old. And it was like a big deal at that point. Cause it was like a, another channel completely dedicated to children. And there was this random episode of Avatar that popped up. And me and my sister were just like enthralled with it. We had no idea what it was about. Cause it was like, 
a random episode from season two um, and it was the first episode they put up so it was extra confusing because we had no <laughs> idea who any of the characters were what the story was about what was even going on but we absolutely loved it and it was just it was mental so we would get up I think the episode was on at like seven in the morning so we would then get up every Saturday at quarter to seven in the morning to watch a random episode of Avatar they would never put them in sequence for some reason or another. Oh my God. They, were just, they were literally <laughs> jumping about like you'd have an episode from book two one Saturday, the next Saturday it'd be from book three, Saturday after that they'd go back to book one and it's kind of, I don't know what's going on but I'm enjoying every second of it so it's it's okay. but. I think the thing that I always remember from my childhood with the episode of Avatar is um, the one where it's uh, the trio, so Azula, Tiny and May drilling into the hole, uh, drilling into Barsingse's wall. And mm. all I remember from that episode is Tiny seeing this dust cloud that Toph has created <laughs> and just going, poof. <laughs> and me and my sister, like we're eight years old at this time, so we found like it was absolutely hilarious, and we were laughing for a solid twenty minutes, repeating the word "puff" because we thought it was <laughs> the funniest thing that we'd ever heard. And even now, whenever I watch that episode again, I can't help but say "poof" every time he says it because it's just like. Oh, that's my childhood in just a single word, and it's just fantastic. And it's just, it just kind of, considering I remember the exact reaction to that scene from like, oh God, how old am I? Um, like 14 years ago now. It's just, mm. it's mental the impact that Avatar has had on me. And I mean, considering I've had, I've got a ridiculous amount of Avatar tattoos on me, it's probably a good thing it's had. An impact off me. Otherwise, I may regret it ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> At current, it's still got a huge impact. So, uh, no regrets so far. I definitely hear you, and like, I mean, I think it is a show that has such a lasting impact uh, on so many people across so many different age ranges. But it's interesting that you, this uh, network was playing these random episodes because uh, when we did our interview with Dave Roman, you know, we were talking about the fact that Nickelodeon and a lot of networks at that time they didn't really know how to handle a show like Avatar, especially for mm. kid shows where it was serialized. Whereas on Nickelodeon, there weren't a lot of shows that were serialized in like in a serious kind of manner. It's not to say yeah, that yeah. Avatar is, you know, super serious, but like, you know, you can't just take necessarily an episode from book two and an episode from book three and be like, yeah, here you go. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's great. I'm interested, but like, I need context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emily, I feel like that sums up British children's television networks in a nutshell. They just it was kind of like, yeah, that that'll do. That that'll be fine. I'm sure. Like, it, they don't need anything else. That'll be that'll be fine. We'll just pull something random. That's that's basically just how our networks worked. Hopefully, eventually, I ended up managing to get like a Skybox later in life, so I was able to watch it in the correct order on Net, uh, Nickelodeon later on. But um, that was like four years later. I was able to watch it properly. Um, wow. But, yeah. So I was still <laughs> obsessed with it. I just really had no idea what the story was about even though I was obsessed with it but um it was it was great when I was finally able to watch it correctly but um 
it was an interesting introduction to it. That's that's for sure. And I, I completely get what you mean. Um, thankfully, it changed a little bit. Although, obviously, Legend of Korra had a little bit of being messed around with in terms of airing and the way in which they kind of treated um, the show mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I think the issues with that were definitely during The Last Airbender as well. It's kind of, if you don't know how to work with it well, you kind of aren't going to help benefit the show. And I think Nickelodeon definitely didn't know how to deal with Avatar in the best way. Like, they could have had so many great marketing opportunities with, like, plushies and figurines and stuff like that, which I know they did do for a short period of time, but most of the stuff is usually, like, handmade toys that people are selling for people to be able to buy on, like, Amazon and stuff, and they're not usually connected to Nickelodeon. Um, I think that's just kind of them just not really into they were kind of more focused on spongebob and kind of still were during legend of Korra and still are now to the point that yeah. it kind of led to avatar being kind of put on the back burner more often than not which is unfortunate because that's the show that's had more of an impact for nickelodeon watchers than anything else has been on their network and that's just kind of bad planning on their part i think Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's the dynamics of uh, something on network TV, because, you know, we live now in an age where we can watch shows on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, and they can see the data of how many people are watching. And they can get, you know, statistics on different demographics and how long they're watching the series. Are they binging it? Are they watching the episodes in their entirety? And they have that information. Mm. But you know, the network shows, they're like, how many toys are we selling? How yeah. much merch are we selling for this? Like that was, and then they had some ways to dictate it, but at, at the same time, it was not the best. Yeah. But uh, you, you mentioned Cora. So what, what was that like for you to see a follow-up series to Avatar? And how did you kind of initially react to Cora when it came out? Um. I suppose because of the way in which I was introduced to Korra in comparison to my initial introduction to Avatar, um, I think I kind of reacted better to Legend of Korra than I did The Last Airbender, just because like when I started watching it, I was watching it at the same time that it was coming out. I was kind of the same age as the characters when I was able to watch it. Um, and I think I just kind of understood the characters a bit more because they were my age. It was um, going on at the same time. Um, and it was kind of a little bit more mature in that way, whereas when I finally got around to watching The Last Airbender in its entirety, I was older than some of the characters um, at that point. So I kind of, like, I loved it, and I still absolutely love The Last Airbender. It's obviously the, the greatest show of all time, and that cannot be um, <laughs> disputed. But because I was a little bit older, I couldn't kind of, um, what's the word? Um, Oh, the word has gone completely. Um, <laughs> um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, no, it's gone. I'm not going to be able to get it at all. Um, but basically, because they were younger, I couldn't kind of see myself in them. Identify with them? That's the word, identify. Yes, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't identify with them as much. And also, with it being kind of on a much larger scale, with like Ozai, for example, being kind of like that sort of really tyrannical sort of fantastical leader that you kind of don't really see as much in the real world he's kind of very fantasy based because he's just kind of he's just evil who just wants world domination you kind of don't get much 
about him as a character, whereas like obviously Azula was probably the best villain in the show because mm. she was real. She had a character. Um, and I think that's kind of why I like Legend of Korra a, a little bit more in a way. And I know that's often a very controversial thing to say in the Avatar <laughs> fandom, but um, trolls come at me. We'll see what happens. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I kind of got on with Legend of Korra a bit more is because I think I enjoyed the villains in that show more than I did in Avatar besides Azula. And um, just because they kind of, I'm one of those people that, villains are kind of the thing that I love like if the villain isn't good I'm not usually going to enjoy what I'm watching as much but in Legend mm. of Korra all of the villains except maybe Unalok but the, everyone has questions about Unalok in general but <laughs> <laughs> but all of them kind of have a good reason for what they're doing they have a, a lot of character about them and more often not with the majority of them you kind of understand a little bit of where they're coming from which i think makes them a lot more interesting as a character because whereas like with ozai you kind of like well i can't really agree with someone who wants to commit genocide because that's probably not something i should be agreeing with it with the character and mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like whereas like with uh, amon you could agree with the fact that he wanted equality and everyone should be equal and stuff like that so that kind of makes more sense other than you know kind of liking a genocidal maniac because that that always brings into question your character i feel because if you like a genocidal maniac there's there's going to be a lot of questions and i think that's just (laughs) that's something you shouldn't be happy to bring up like yeah no of course i like genocide what who wouldn't like genocide it's like no 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 no. you you shouldn't like genocide ozai is not the sort of person you should be looking up to azula this is to you listen to what we're saying you shouldn't be like ozai i think that's basically (laughs) what i feel like she needed to be told and so I'm getting off onto a run now. I absolutely love Azula. And I feel like that needed to be said to her so much. She had such potential and I love her. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much again for listening to The Legend of Portalcast. Um, we were so thrilled to get to have a healthy dose of Fran on for today's episode. And we're excited to start doing uh, more of these Avatar content creator series. Um, just a quick note, I uh, realized that this episode is uh, two weeks uh, after our last one. Um, it has been a very, very trying time uh, in my life personally. And um, it was fascinating talking with um, Fran today because we talked about being transparent, uh, especially about our mental health. And uh, the past two weeks have been incredibly rough, but I am on the other side of it. And I appreciate uh, so much of the support uh, in the interim and um, your patience with all of this. I'm just really happy uh, to be able to do this. This is a very fulfilling, creative thing for me to do. And uh, just Super grateful uh, for all of the support. We're going to be back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, with all of this and uh, excited to be back on the horse. Um, And again, appreciate your patience. So excited to continue doing this. And thank you all so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.
Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, one of the biggest critiques, um, you know, when you said that it is very controversial to uh, say, you know, you enjoy Korra more than Avatar, that, that was something that really kind of was surprising to me when I re-entered kind of a lot of the fandom through Instagram and Twitter was that there was this, you know, divide where people would get very angry and sometimes vitriolic about Legend of Korra and how they felt about the show and especially in comparison to Avatar. And mm. one of the big arguments that I always read was, you know, Avatar, the villains were very simple and it played a very direct role. And we saw, you know, a focus on Aang and the gang, whereas Korra, it was a focus more on the villains than mm. it was on Korra. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I don't know. Did you have like any kind of input in terms of kind of that argument and what people see with a focus on the main characters versus a focus on the villains? Um, I definitely kind of see what you mean. Like, I, again, I agree with you in terms of, I don't think there was much of a focus as in on the villains. Like they weren't the main focus. I definitely think Korra definitely was. I think what was kind of different between them is the gang aspect in Legend of Korra wasn't as prominent as it was in The Last Airbender, whereas the gang there with Aang, Katara, Sopatov, and later Zuko, obviously they were all a very close-knit sort of group. Most likely because they were young, they were having to travel alone without adult supervision. They were in life-threatening situations because they were traveling alone in the middle of a war. Whereas in Legend of Korra, obviously there is the villainous aspect going on, which obviously causes conflict. But because they're a little bit older and they are more often than not surrounded by adult figures there kind of wasn't this necessity to rely on each other because you had other people uh, they had other people mm. around them and i think that's definitely something that see, people seem to not like that much like every comment i've seen is relating to nothing can replace the, the gang and i'm like i don't think they were trying to create a new gang yes obviously they call themselves team avatar but it's more in kind of a looser sense is what i felt they were kind of they were friends but they weren't as friendly in the sense that like you don't stay close with many people as you get older like i used to have like 10 plus friends when i was in secondary school and then that narrowed down to like two now or something so their kind of connection to each other wasn't as close knit as those in the last airbender just because there wasn't the need for it oh yeah and i mean they were on the run they were on the run too yeah. with, you know they were fugitives they had to you know they everything was stacked against them so i think that when you are you don't have the assistance of adults and you don't have that you know kind of network to be able to expand on and it's just on like your like the people just around you, I think you forge closer bonds and mm. you have a stronger connection because I mean, so many of those episodes, it is, it is just, even before Toph comes along, it is just Aang, Sokka and Katara. Mm. They are all they have. And they are all so far from home and so far from anyone that they know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And more often than not, you don't see any adult figures in the last seven, except for Iroh and a few parents that dot in here and there to like side characters other than that it's literally just these kids all of whom are under the age of 16 and that's about it whereas legend of Korra, quite a lot of the main cast are 
adults like Tenzin and um, Lin Beifong that they're in the show kind of constantly and they are obviously very much an adult. And I think that's kind of the difference behind it is that the gang in Legend of Korra could go to an adult in times of crisis for advice and kind of knowing what to do and more often not as well the responsibility went to the adults instead of Cora as the avatar because they didn't need her as much in that time as well because they had things like uh, the council in Republic City which obviously was comprised of adults from different nations and yeah like you said it just kind of wasn't there and it's just it's just interesting the way in which people kind of always try to get the two shows to compete against each other as to which one was better and it's always going against Legend of Korra more often than not so many people bring up all the negative things that went on with it like Korra was too abrasive the second season was really rubbish and I'm like okay yeah okay it wasn't great admittedly but it was interesting to learn other things about it but there's just so much negativity and blatant kind of trolling and harassment to those who enjoy it which sadly kind of brings a sort of toxicity to the fandom which sucks but admittedly it's what most fandoms are like these days you kind of can't join a fandom without there being toxicity somewhere about something it's kind of like with when the Zutang and Zutara shippers were going off that was oh my god that was intense and now that like the core versus Ang thing is like the next stage in the toxicity in the Avatar fandom, it's just crazy. Which you know is is going to be interesting to see what happens and how the fans react to the new series. Uh, mm. So to kind of like uh, cap out cap off our discussion on like the content itself, I want to get some of your thoughts and predictions and hopes for uh, the Netflix series mm. that's going to be coming out. Okay. Um, Emily, I'm kind of surprised that they were going to bring out a live action for it. Like, I was thrilled when I heard about it, but kind of the moment that thrill kind of dissipated in a way, I started to question why they were doing it and the reasoning behind it. And it kind of, from our discussion before relating to Nickelodeon maybe not being the greatest network for Avatar, and apparently Netflix isn't the best either because they've got their own problems but i feel like there could be a the reasoning behind it is that maybe bright um are trying to get a bit more freedom with what they want because they're going to have the ability to kind of extend episodes possibly have more episodes throughout the series and kind of expand on the world building on the character backgrounds and stuff like that um probably more so than they would have been able to do on Nickelodeon in those 20 minute episodes that they had um so I think it'll be interesting to see maybe what they may add to the original season uh series sorry um I'm definitely nervous as to like how good it's going to look like I'm glad they're definitely going for the right actors because obviously that was the main issue with the film that shall not be named where um yes <laughs> where casting was the biggest issue predominantly with that um so at least we know casting wise they're making the right decision for that but i think the thing that i'm worried about with it is firstly that they'll kind of do too much and kind of 
take away the simple, not the simplicity, but kind of what made Avatar great and kind of focus too much on just kind of making this huge, humongous world, which would be interesting to see. But I think the kind of the main thing about Avatar was that it was the characters. I think if they don't get the characters right in the live action, it may not go too well. Um, and also kind of showing the bending as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's an interesting point to bring up in terms of, you know, priority mm. and what is focused on. Like, do you focus more on the world? Do you focus more on the characters? And I think that we've definitely seen that in a lot of adaptations um, in recent years mm. where sometimes, especially like big budget movies, they try to focus more on the world and the characters besides like the main character kind of get left in the wayside. And it's kind of unfortunate because Mm. usually they're kind of the bread and butter of what makes the story captivating. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I think also the big thing as well is in terms of the visuals, obviously in the animation, the visuals for like the landscapes were absolutely breathtaking. But I think they kind of need to not go for the exact same thing as in the animation because take a look at like what they did with like Beauty and the Beast, the live action version of that. They tried to make all of the sets look next to identical as the ones from the original film. And it just looked really fake and tacky and just not realistic at all. So it's kind of that worry that if they try to make these live action visuals, that'll probably end up being CGI if they try to make them like look for look identical that it just you won't get the realism of it so it'd be nice if they kind of use actual real world sets instead of kind of making something in computer generated technology to just make it look exactly like the animation locations yeah i am definitely right there with you on that and it's it's going to be interesting to see you know, how much they mix of, uh, you know, actual sets, practical effects versus, you know, a lot of computer generated, uh, you know, elements, because of course there's so much that has to be done that way Mm. with the bending, Mm. with the animals. Um, But at the same time, you know, they, they may come in and they may surprise us. I think it's going to be interesting nonetheless to see. Um, But to kind of go back and I want to, uh, you know, start kind of winding this down, but I also want to ask, you know, as a YouTuber, what have been some of your biggest challenges in terms of tackling uh, different subjects around Avatar and translating that into uh, what you find to be an interesting video? I suppose the kind of main thing is figuring out which sort of theory or discussion that I'm going to be talking about and firstly, making sure I have the right information when I'm giving it because Firstly, trolls know when you haven't done the research for your video. They will like jump <laughs> on it instantly. Thankfully, I haven't had that happen yet, but I, like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it doesn't. But um, for quite a lot of the Avatar videos, firstly, I have the great opportunity to be able to binge watch the series and have a good reason for doing it to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. But I think the big thing with it in terms of doing these videos is... Firstly, kind of being respectful for uh, towards your audience and understanding that what you're posting is something that they love as well. And so one of the videos that um, I did was looking at uh, Zozin and how he was, as a character, a very cowardly person. 
And a lot of the responses that I got to it, first it was that it's very obvious that clearly he was a coward because he committed these genocide um, acts towards the airbenders. But also people kind of thinking it wasn't okay for me to kind of talk about the genocide in a very sort of, not a bland way, but kind of glaze over it in a little way um, by kind of making it more about Zosin than those who were obviously harmed during it. And obviously because it was an animation, I kind of didn't think about it in that sense by being aware that I kind of have to be sensitive about these things. Um, so it kind of made me aware of it for future episodes that I was doing for theories and that the things that I'm talking about, while they are part of an animation and part of fiction, they can still be touchy subjects because things like genocide and Avatar is obviously a huge part of it, especially in The Last Airbender. And things like that have happened in our world as well. And kind of talking about it, I need it to be less blasé about it. I think, is that a word? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I questioned myself there. Um, and kind of realising that and kind of getting some of that feedback just from people who thankfully private messaged me and didn't kind of attack me through um, through the message. They just wanted to let me know and just kind of, kind of educate me a little bit about it, which is quite nice that so they went about it in a nice way. Um, and kind of from there, I just came to the realisation that you need to be aware of your audience and how they can feel and how they can react to what you're saying. And kind of after that, I it wasn't like I was censoring myself. It was more I was just being aware of who I was talking to, what I was talking about, the fact that quite a lot of the culture in Avatar is related in Far East um, cultures. And if I was going to do a video about that, which I am planning to in future, that I need to be sensitive about it and kind of be aware that it is obviously based in real cultures as well. Um, I think that's just something people need to think about with advertisers that just because it's fiction doesn't mean that you can kind of talk about it in a non-sensitive way because it's based on real things. People are affected by it. People have been helped by it. And it's just realising that there are real people on the other side of the camera reacting and feeling what you're saying. And that was just kind of something that took a little time learning about but hopefully i've been able to do better with that now very cool well i mean it's definitely like a, a really interesting process as a content creator because you know we live in a world now where you can put that content out and there is a dialogue between you and the people who are you know watching or you know actively taking a part of you know what you're putting out there and I, I think that's always been very interesting too with, you know, what's going to make it so interesting with this Netflix, you know, live mm. series is that, you know, Mike and Brian, they're on Instagram and Twitter and they are going to be able to, you know, ha have a dialogue with a lot of the fans. We already saw Brian, you know, posted that Instagram post about a couple months ago, updating everyone on the progress of everything and really being able to share that and how unique that is now to where we're mm. at. And, you know, where that can be a really good thing where you can communicate, it can also be, it can be a heavy burden because you have to keep all of that in mind. It's not just I'm making this and, you know, if they're going to react the way they're going to react, like, no, it's, 
it's definitely more of this, you know, kind of, I don't know if symbiotic relationship is necessarily the right term, but something along those lines. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's just kind of, again, it's just, it's just being aware of your audience really, isn't it? Like, uh, you never know who's going to be listening. You never know who's going, how they're going to react. And it's just, just being sensitive in, in that way. Um, obviously not kind of responding to the the ridiculous side, like, like the people who reacting to like that little mermaid, uh, debacle that's been going on. Like, you oh, don't need, like <laughs> I'm bringing that up here. I'm probably going to get hate for saying it now, but who, who cares? But like that sort of reaction, like that sort of level of response, I don't think about as much because it's ridiculous kind of the way in which people kind of get too obsessed with that. But at the same time, I know I've got to think about it either way, just because someone could very easily attack me for something that I've said. They could very easily kind of take offense of something that I've said, even if it wasn't my intention. I need to think about it, which is is good that people are aware that you need to think about what you're saying. But at the same time, it kind of says a lot about the climate that anything could be misconstrued, like even the smallest little thing. Um, so it's always a worry as a content mm. creator, but kind of knowing your audience knowing the way in which people can react and the fact that there are lots of people in the world and lots of people have different thoughts and opinions and feelings. Um, it's just nice to know that you can make content and while thinking about it, make content for everyone to enjoy in some form at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So uh, th this is going to bring us into our concluding, uh, you know, what I like to call the uh, content creator lightning round, where we are just going to, I'm just going to ask uh, favorite episodes and favorite Ooh. characters uh, just from each okay. series. Um, so uh, to start from Avatar and season one, do you have a favorite episode? Ooh, season one. Um, I think it's going to have to be the part two episode of the season finale and the title of that episode has just completely gone out of my head now oh my goodness but basically the last episode <laughs> of book one is my favorite for that one definitely very cool uh and as far as avatar as a whole do you have a favorite character i do and it may possibly be a surprise as to who my favorite character is and it's actually suki suki is my favorite character oh. of the whole series um I don't really know why, other than the fact that she is an incredibly resourceful and just fantastic character who deserves more respect, considering what she is like. And just mm. Suki deserves better. It's basically that's the hashtag I want to get started right now. Hashtag Suki deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So from Legend of Korra, um, do you have a favorite season from Legend of Korra? Ooh, and okay. Why? Favourite season is definitely the last one, Change. Um, firstly, because mm. we get probably one of my favourite villains in Kuvira, but also with the season finale, with the um, canon relationship of Korra and Asami in the very, very last episode, in the very last seconds, had probably the most profound mm. effect on me. Like Being LGBT myself, I to this day, I still remember watching that episode crying like oh my god it happened and blah 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 all kind of like blubbering Christmassy sort of tears everything it was just mental but it's just such an amazing thing to see and even though it was like it's so small and people kind of obviously even to this day aren't happy with it 
I don't care. I'm happy with it. You do you. I'm just going to be here <laughs> loving my ben- bisexual queens. And, you know, you're just going to have to deal with my happiness. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. Just let me, just let me be happy. That's all I want. <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> um, and then uh, to conclude, uh, who would you say is... Uh, your favorite character from Legend of Korra. Okay, so it is a toss-up between Korra and Lin Beifong. Because they are both (laughs) badass characters. Lin is kind of very close to being my top, and I feel so bad for Korra because I love her. But Lin is the sass queen, and I just... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if, firstly, if I was a bit older, because she's probably like in her 40s, maybe, and she was real, I would marry her if I could. <laughs> I think that's my main thing. Like, <laughs> if I could marry the character, I love him. <laughs> that's, that's my criteria for my favorite characters. <laughs> Very cool. I, I'm also a huge uh, Lin Bay Fong oh. fan as well. She is uh, just the arc that her character goes oh, on. God, it's, yeah. it's truly something spectacular. Oh, 100%. Um, so, uh, yeah, so awesome. Well, that concludes the lightning round. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you for those responses. Um, no problem. And uh, to kind of... Cl- and to close things out, um, I just want to give you a chance to uh, plug your social media and your YouTube page and uh, let the fans how uh, know how they can reach out and find your work. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm on Instagram as a healthy dose of Fran and have the same title on my YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, I've got videos out every Wednesday and Sunday, um, usually out at 1230 on the dot because I'm I'm cool like that. Um, on <laughs> on Twitter, I go by uh, FrancescaMC95. I don't do much on that except for like retweet creative writing stuff, but you know, follow me anyway. Um, and I think that's pretty much all I have. I don't have much social media, which is kind of worrying that I, I'm a millennial and I don't have much social media. But yes, Instagram, YouTube, subscribe, hit the notification bell, you know, all that fun stuff. And Twitter, if you feel like you want to learn some creative writing stuff. But um, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today, um, sharing your insights about the show and talking a little bit about, you know, your process as an avatar content creator. It's been so insightful to get to hear from you. And I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation uh, today. Oh, me too. So thank you again. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for having me and for allowing me to rant on your show as well like um i feel like i've just i've just talked i feel like my mother and it's just i just talk and talk and talk i'm oh god i'm a middle-aged woman what is happening oh my goodness okay stop me stop me stop me from talking Well, hey, as we know, you know, middle-aged women like Lin Bei Fong can also be badasses as well. Okay, right. You um, are my motivator. You are officially the motivator <laughs> for all women. Uh, um, so that concludes uh, today's episode. And uh, we just want to let everyone know, too, um, we are also working on a, a special collaborative episode um, with uh, a healthy dose of Fran that she's going to be putting up on her uh, YouTube channel. Um, and uh, be sure to uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll make sure to share that. We'll also make sure to share uh, all the social media information so you can follow her and check out all of her uh, great videos. And uh, remember, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Legend of Portalcast, on Twitter at Portalcast Pod, and you can find our website, 
legendofportalcast.com. And you can find us, of course, on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to uh, subscribe there, leave us a rating and review. And uh, if you are enjoying it, let us know. Um, if you're not, then how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. No, we no, welcome all you? feedback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen to that content. These guys are fantastic. If we don't agree, what is your life? Listen to it at work. Listen to it at the gym. You don't know what's going on. They are fantastic. Big up to all of them. Legend of Podcast. Legendary. That is all I have to say. Legendary. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much. And uh, and again, folks, uh, until next time, let us leave.